This week on Texas 1031, we bring you the first episode in our three-part series on criminal mental illness. This week, we cover sociopathy slash psychopathy and antisocial personality disorder. Get ready for episode 30 of Texas 1031. You name a beer after your mom? Yeah, she's the OG Rar's Blonde. Because the Rar family has been, like, brewing for almost 200 years. I mean, I knew that. So she's but part like, of the, like, uh, monarchy? Dynasty? Dynasty? Dynasty. Dynasty. Dentistry? <laughs> Orthodontics. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> This is Cassie and Hannah. This is Texas 1031. And this is a true crime podcast. And this. No, I'm just kidding. And, <laughs> you wrote it. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. I love it. You know, I like whatever. it. Whatever. I like it. Uh, you guys should know by now. We cover lesser known murder cases that have occurred in Texas. Cassie is first this episode. And uh, this is a special episode. Um, I won't have this ready for before the event. So the, you're listening to this after the event. If you went, you probably didn't go because who's going? No, right. one, no one's going. No one's listening. No one is going or listening. No one's even listening. No. I mean, our reviews show it. No one listens. <laughs> no one cares. But we're still going to be here. God damn it. Yeah. Are we yeah. better? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is our new series about mental illness and mental disorders. Yeah. And we've been looking forward to talking about it. And hopefully y'all have been too. Yes. Cassie starts the series out i do today so we wanted to pick um we tried to boil it down to six so we can do a three episode series and we tried to pick the mental illnesses that we definitely we notice come up the most and uh prolific serial killers or murderers um stuff that's mentioned the most and stuff that we can get confused with other illnesses because a lot of them share a lot of traits mm-hmm. so what we picked to begin with today sociopathy or sociopath (laughs) so (laughs) the way since this is our first episode in the series the format that we are doing this in might differ from each other the way we laid out everything um and as the series goes on we might get a little more cohesive Mm -hmm. but for this first one the first two that we really researched were ones that we were really interested in so i feel like hopefully that comes off and even if it's not as like formulated you know Mm -hmm. it'll still be fine so i'm gonna begin by telling you guys the traits that characterize sociopathy a disregard for laws and social mores a disregard for the rights of others a failure to feel remorse or guilt a tendency to display violent nature or behavior they are typically nervous easily angered and prone to violent fits of rage So typically, we find sociopathy in transients as people who suffer from 
true sociopathy are unlikely to hold down a steady job. Um, They get agitated and kind of bored in one place. They typically cannot form emotional attachments, but they are capable of bonding emotionally. So it's not very typical for someone with sociopathy to, you know, they, we think of sociopaths. They don't have personal relationships. They don't have feelings, but they can develop that. Um, so they can bond emotionally and empathize with certain people, but not others. So think their mother, a beloved brother, um, a longtime girlfriend. That is possible. Um, it's not unheard of in sociopaths. In general, they have no regard for society but they can form an attachment to an individual. So overall, when they look at humanity, they feel nothing. They feel no empathy. They feel no connection, but they can latch on to a particular person. Um, How do they get to that particular person without like delving into society? So we'll, we'll talk about it a little more. No, no, no. But it's like, it's only very certain people. Mm -hmm. It's not an overwhelming, like, We'll talk about Majority, once we yeah. get to other illnesses too, because a lot of them share similar traits, but for sociopaths specifically, yeah. exactly, they cannot, they don't have the capacity to empathize or even emotionalize over one, more than one person. Um, sometimes in, in a couple articles, I saw it as a group as well. So you can have hmm. a sociopath that empathizes with, with the Nazis. group. Right. Or one so person. as okay. a whole. Yes. Okay. So that begs the question, though, since they can find someone emotionally with attachment, um, is this nature or nurture? The answer, according to Psychology Today, says sociopathy, sociopathy, it's going to happen, is learned and a product of someone's environment. So childhood trauma and abuse and ding, 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 brain injury Hmm. can spur the sociopathy to kind of bubble up so that brings me to the one emotional so let's say uh, a boy is very attached to his mother and his mother abuses him or something detrimental happens that's the attachment that he was able to hold on to and that could also be the trigger that kind of turns on that sociopathy Mm -hmm. gene in him Um, so isn't learned and environmental kind of the same thing or is that just me? No, it is. Yes. So environmental and learned are the okay. same thing. Yeah. So we'll go into but not it a little bit. everyone takes away certain things from their environment. Right. You know. So, so okay. for some people, I just make sure I was sociopath, and we're going to go into what makes them violent and what makes them not. Okay. And it's basically the trauma that makes all the difference. Okay. So this trait is kind of sitting there. It could be recessive. Mm-hmm. It might not bubble up as much. But if they also have some sort of trauma or really, really trigger. strong trigger, yes, okay. it might not happen. Okay. I'll keep my mouth um, No, God, no. Because this is both of us learning. So. Yeah. This is why sociopaths can form emotional attachments with some, likely a family member. So like I said, it's something that's learned. So as a child, they might not be feeling these feelings of disconnect. They might feel a little bit more socially empathetic towards a sister or a brother or a mother or a father, but something happened in their life that turned off that switch. They aren't able to then progress with emotional attachment to people Mm -hmm. sociopaths are also typically 
disorganized killers. That is the trait that sets them apart from psychopaths, Mm -hmm. which as my research went forward, I realized I had to also cover psychopaths. So a sociopath, they're made. Something happened to them that triggered that. They're unorganized, they're volatile, and they can be emotionally involved with one people, one person in their life. And psychopaths can't do that. Psychopaths are born. Yeah. Psychopaths are something that just, it's always going to be there from childhood. They are organized and they're calculated and they have no emotions. They have no attachment to any person. They are good at feigning it but they don't truly feel it like sociopaths do. Sociopath versus psychopath. Like I said, psychopaths will plan their crime down to the smallest detail. They're calculated, whereas psycho- or sociopaths fly off the handle with no plan. Um, psychopaths are born, like I said. Um, it's a trait that's found similarly. They're both seen. You can read some reports. And sociopath and psychopath are used interchangeably. But to their core, there is a difference. Examples of psychopaths. um, hmm, Do I want to go to this? Sure, why not? I can always cut it out. Yeah, because I think I went over it again later. But a couple psychopaths that we know and recognize. Gary Ridgway. John Wayne Gacy. Couple of examples of sociopaths. And one of these, the, the former I will mention. He went back and forth. I think he has a couple of psychiatric uh, diagnoses, but why I feel like he falls in line with sociopathy, Jeffrey Dahmer. And then the next one we're going to talk about is Paris Lee Bennett. Definitely Jeffrey Dahmer because he was able yeah. to, I think he kind of liked He was guys. a normal he kid. Was, he wanted he, to date people. Yeah. He had relationships with his neighbors and, Something you know. changed in him and that like spurred on these. But he was able these. to... To be normal with, yes. and genuine with people. Yes, you know, absolutely. To a certain extent, I guess. <laughs> so in this series, we wanted to, of course, specifically shine the light on a Texas true crime example of the mental illness that we are covering. So with sociopathy, I'm going to talk about the murder of Ella Lee Bennett so by her brother, Paris Lee Bennett in Abilene, Texas. Y'all, this is so good. Hannah was super excited when she found this out. I had never heard of this. Oh my God, it's amazing. It was really mind-boggling to research. So if you have heard about it, you know. I mean, just because I've heard of it doesn't mean that I'm going to get a refresher and it's going to be Good, okay, yeah. If you haven't heard about this, buckle up, buddy. It's terrible. So February 4th, 2007 in Abilene, Texas. A 21-year-old babysitter was watching over Paris, age 13 male, and Ella, his younger sister, aged four, while their mother, Charity, Charity Lee, was working her shift at Buffalo Wild Wings. So, so far, she's doing everything right. She's got a babysitter watching over her kids while she works the late shift. It's a normal night. They ate. Um, babysitter took them out for Chinese food. They watched the cartoon version of Alice in Wonderland. And then Alice, Alice oh my gosh, Ella was put to bed. <laughs> Paris then went to his room around the same time to do homework. But around 10 p.m., the astoundingly intelligent 13-year-old with an IQ of 141 Mm -hmm. convinced the babysitter that she could go home. Paris then grabbed a kitchen knife and proceeded to a sleeping Ella's room. He then beat, choked, and stabbed his four-year-old baby sister 17 times. She also suffered defensive wounds. 
Evidence was found that Ella was also sexually assaulted before the murder was carried out. Paris, after brutally murdering his sister, called and spoke to a friend for six minutes. He hung up with the friend, waited two minutes, and then called 911. Presumably, the friend urged him to call 911 because he did talk to his friend on the phone about how he had just hurt his sister. So the dispatcher told Paris to move Ella from the bed to the floor to perform CPR. Uh, The dispatcher later reported that he was resistant at first, but then complied. She told him to give 30 compressions at a time, and Paris can be heard on tape counting. But it's doubtful that he was actually doing anything. There was no blood on the floor. Ella was found on her bed, on her side. She had wounds in her back that would have inevitably bled on the floor, especially with compressions. Paris told police that he was hallucinating when he murdered his sister. He claims that he awoke to a demonic version of Ella laughing maniacally and engulfed in flames. But no one really except his mother, Charity Lee, believed that. Until she read the report about how much Ella suffered. And then the separate report about the semen found on Ella's underwear and inside Paris's pants. Abilene Police, uh, an Abilene Police Department, Oh my goodness, I put Abilene PD as if I would know to say police officer. (laughs) So Abilene police officer who interviewed Paris that night wrote, quote, at times during the interview process, Paris would appear as if he were attempting to cry. However, he did not appear to be sincere with these attempts. At no time did he have tears coming from his eyes. Paris later confirmed to his mother while she visited him in jail, um that he did this on purpose. When she confronted him about the semen, he became violent and flipped the table over, stormed out, big old show. Um, Basically, when she said, you did this on purpose, didn't you? He said, it fucking took you long enough to realize. Stone cold. 13. Six months after killing little Ella, he received 40 years prison sentence. Remember, he's 13, so he's a minor. So he could not be charged as an adult. Mm-hmm. He is too fucking young. He That's will a be pretty big sentence for a thirteen-year-old. Really is. Yeah. He will be eligible for parole in twenty twenty-seven after serving half of his sentence. Um, he spent the first five years in juvenile detention, and then when he turned eighteen, his mother actually wrote a letter to the judge urging that he be sent to a maximum security prison. Um, so this poor woman is dealing with the fact that her son is. A word that she refuses herself to use, but a monster, and that her baby is dead. So Paris was interviewed later. Um, This happened in 2007. I believe the interview uh, was around 2012, 2015, something like that. So quite some time later, he was already an adult um, in his very early 20s. He claims that he did it to hurt his mother. Um, She was a recovering heroin addict. Um, something that he lived through in his younger years and he did see and did experience and he claims that he suspected his mother had relapsed so he wanted to hurt her and cause her pain. Um, Psychologists later diagnosed him as a sociopath. The word psychopath was also used. So that kind of leads us into questions and theories. Is he a psychopath or a sociopath? I think he's a sociopath because he A, flew off the handle 
and committed mm -hmm. a very disorganized act with no attempt to cover it up, um, no attempt to feign innocence. B, he claims that he had been emotionally traumatized due, who, due to his mother's heroin usage. That can be the trigger act. Any sort of trauma in your young childhood can flip that switch and turn on the symptoms of sociopathy. Sociopathy. Thank you. So, sociopathy, that's so, so, it. Sure. Soap, it's soap. Soap, it's just soap. Yeah. <laughs> he also, while he was incarcerated in juvie, um, I believe also in prison, but I'm not sure. I am positive about juvie. He was very violent and he acted out in multiple fits of rage. He assaulted other prisoners um, over minor, if at all, instances. He flooded his cell. And when people came to kind of get him and get him out of the now flooded jail cell, he lunged at them, flew at them. Also, he has no emotion. None whatsoever. He has not once expressed remorse. He has not once done anything but just given matter-of-fact statements about killing his baby sister, who he grew up with, who he probably held as a child. So that is why I think he falls more towards sociopathy rather than psychopath. Mm -hmm. I think he has a little bit less disorganization, um, although he is very smart which if he had gotten older and been able to suppress those urges, I feel like he might fall more into the psychopathy. But since he did it so early on in his life and due to trauma that he claims happened, I think he's a sociopath. What do you think? I disagree. Tell I me. I think that he is a psychopath. I think that because of how old he is, the disorganization is there by default because he's mm -hmm. 13. Um, Fair point. You, I mean, you verbatim just said, you know, he claims that his mom was relapsing. He claims that he had to live through this heroin stuff, mm -hmm. which she in the, you know, documentary or interview or whatever, you know, admits to struggling with. Right. But he was supposedly her saving grace and she changed her life because he right. was born. So what does he know about heroin personally? Yeah. Granted, he's a smart kid. Did he Google it? Did he look it up? Did he rent a book? I don't know. Did he just say that to get sympathy? Because right. yeah. how did he even know about his mom's past? You know, I don't know if his grandma, his grandmother is very much a part of his life. Mm. And so I don't know if maybe she informed him or whatever. But uh, this is, oh my God, it's all coming back. So, okay, let me go through my questions. Yes. I, I think and he's, then we have I think more, he's a psychopath. We have a little bit more on sociopathy. Okay. But not much. So okay. do you want to go through it or do you want to? Oh, no, let's okay. do this. Let's pretend like this is a normal All right, cool. telling of a story. So we talked about before we even started recording reactions to death. Yes. How anyone would react. Um, it differs with everyone. So yes. just because his reaction isn't what you might normally assume or whatever doesn't mean anything. But his reaction to actually murdering somebody, does that then... When you are the hand that took the life, does I that then like change he, the reaction he, quota? I don't know. I mean, I feel like from what I've seen and read of him, he does show remorse. He does really? show their their upbringing together. They were very close. Yes. At the same time, I can see that the sociopathy of it all doesn't make sense to me because a psychopath can hide it for long periods of time. They can disguise it for you know, 13 minus four or however old she was mm -hmm. that many, you know, years of, you know, internalizing his 
hatred and jealousy or envy or whatever for the attention she got that he didn't get and he had to suffer through his mom being maybe a shitty mom when he was younger i don't right. know so that to me a sociopath may not be able to hold it back and fake it for that long unlike a psychopath my next question is uh duh, duh, duh. i didn't know about the rape or the oh. whatever i didn't know that that was a thing mm-hmm so that's interesting. Yes. But I'm not surprised because he is on the precipice of puberty. Yes. So that's disgusting regardless. I can't believe a 13-year-old can ejaculate. Honestly, that sounds I mean, so I young can. to I me. Mean, I'm pretty sure boys are like trying to get after it pretty early. So, I mean, he was obviously very mentally mature, intellectually mature. He was above his uh, age. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's... Very interesting that they left that out of what I've heard of. Yes, because that's I read a couple of Reddit articles about it and a lot of people didn't know about that. Mm -hmm. And I read. I wonder if the mom purposely left that out of. I think so. Yeah, because the interview I read with her, it's uh, my San Antonio Express News or something. And it's an interview with her and the uh, author of this article Mm -hmm. sat down with Paris himself. Um, And it very clearly stated about the semen and everything. He so admitted I was to like, it? Um, he did not admit to, okay. admit to it, but her... It's weird because his... It was it, in the medical records like that she okay. had access gotcha. to. Yeah. His interviews that I've seen from him in prison, he's very... He, he's admitting to everything. I mean, he's very, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did this. Like, hmm. But then you think... Is he lying? Right. Is it all he's super a smart. He knows parole right. is he coming up in to, 10 years. And I mean, he's in his 20s now. You know, right. it's, it's bizarre. Um, do, do, do. You said the tantrum or not the tantrum, the, the outburst mm-hmm. in prison. I took that as tantrums because he is mm-hmm. so young. Yeah. You know, in juvie, he was pissing and moaning of like, I'm not getting my way. I don't need to be here. I feel like a lot of that reflects his age. Not yeah. necessarily maybe his mental state, but kind of his age, too. Yeah. Or does it, you know, reference his kind of perception of himself of just being, I don't need to be here. I'm too good for this. That's true. You know, like he just thinks too highly, which points towards both. Yeah. Sociopathy and psychopathy. And that's why these are both used so interchangeably. Mm -hmm. Because I still. Yeah. There's so many things that you're saying that I'm like, yeah, but that could also be Mm -hmm. sociopathy. And then so many things you're saying that I'm like. Well, no, but you've watched. I haven't watched a documentary in enough time. It's pretty crazy. But there are so many things that you're saying that I'm like, that sounds like a classic psycho- psychopath. Mm. So the only reason I Very still convincing. lean more He's towards sociopath convincing. is just because. It was in one moment. Yes. And but it was not planned. He could have been planning this the whole time. As a psychopath, he could have been thinking about it and dwelling because he on did it and have the forbearance to get the babysitter to go mm-hmm. home and everything he so about it he he that was some form of premeditation yep. this is one of those that walks the line yeah and most it's definitely. very easy to see because when a sociopath or a psychopath is not violent oftentimes you see them in the ceo position mm-hmm. of a company yeah, many ceos share multiple mm-hmm. traits with psychopaths or sociopaths and so that's where that violent tendency wasn't clicked on mm-hmm. and so they are able to use everything to their advantage mm-hmm. and so which one does he lie into would do we think he would have grown up to be a ceo or a very organized murderer or do we think he would have grown up to maybe hold off his murderous tendencies and then go berserker and kill a few women in a few nights and then get caught we don't we don't know because he was so young. What do you think? 
I know the answer because I watched the documentary. Oh, okay, okay. His mom was a great mom. She had a fucked up life because yeah. of her mother. Yes, her mother. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, her mother was accused of murdering mm-hmm. Charity's father. There's um, the initial trauma. It doesn't exactly. necessarily... I mean, yes, it necessarily does have to happen to the person that we're talking about. But I mean, trauma is passed on through right. your genetics, through your if she was pregnant with him while For that sure. stress and was I mean, happening. Right. That's yeah. what I mean, is that she had to live through that. She turned to this, that and the other. She has mental you know, deficiency, not deficiencies, but she has mental problems yep. because of it. She was a she seemed like a very put together and uh, a great person. Mm-hmm. Uh, charity right yes so when i saw the mom the mom just seemed like a total narcissist and just didn't want to admit to anything blew everything off swept it under the rug but yet caring and yet also there for her daughter there for her grandchildren super uh you know sad and emotional about the whole thing but there was a tinge of hesitance hmm in her voice and like her emotion and it just was like you don't seem fake but you seem put on so you think it's possible that he inherited this yeah a gene was passed down and maybe the trauma his mother experienced triggered a little bit of a biological change in the gene whatever yeah it was passed further on to him and it's like i don't know science about birth and all that stuff but i mean if it is passed down then that's my only assumption i mean i I don't see that if anything, it's not like the heroine did it. You know right. what I mean? I feel like yeah. that's a more likely story that yeah. it was passed down from his grandmother's. It's a very difficult thing to pin down, mm-hmm. which is why it's under the umbrella of a greater illness that we'll mention in a moment. So a little bit more about Ella Lee Bennett. She was born on April 12th in 2002 in Georgia. Her family later moved to Abilene. Her mother, Charity, started the nonprofit Ella Foundation. This advocates for victims of violent crime, counsels families affected by murder, um, and it also it works to improve the justice system for these victims of violent crimes. Her mother in the blog on the Ella Foundation website mentions Ella as a warm, loving, happy little girl. Um, she loved chocolate cake and hearing her birth story, particularly on her birthday. This was a birthday blog that I read, um, oh. but she's very well missed and would be 16 years old if alive today just 16 she would just be starting everything i feel kind of dirty saying fuck you paris because he's only 13 at the time at the time but he knew what he was doing i don't know i were still on the fence about sociopathy or psychopathy but his own mother pretty much despises him so don't feel bad about saying that because yeah. If she can get to the point of like, I can't handle this. You clearly did this to my daughter. Mm-hmm. Like that's a hard pill to is, swallow and a yeah. hard statement to and life to live. Yeah. To like, I know I keep saying this, but the documentary, she is dreading going to prison to visit him. Right. She's but she's dreading still does speaking it. to him because she, she still knows. Does it. And I think that's partly because she knows what it's like to grow up with a mother that fucking hates her. Right. And is embarrassed and ashamed. And so maybe she does this to try and help him as Mm -hmm. much as she can but at a certain point you have to realize oh my god my son killed my daughter yeah from what What i I owe you yeah from what i read on the blog on the ella foundation Mm -hmm. she still writes letters to paris on his birthday and such she grieves the loss of two children absolutely and the person that she sees in prison is not her son Mm -hmm. and it's crazy the way that he you say has been a you know like 
apologetic and seemingly remorseful and such. I loved Ella. We were best friends. There's videos. Nine years from now, he could be out of prison. I don't doubt that. Yeah. I mean, since he was so young when he offended. Yeah. Pearl. Yeah. I, I, I feel like he might, unless his mother... I'm sure she'll advocate for him to not be released. Yeah, because she has said that she believes that he is 100% a violent criminal Mm -hmm. who will act again. So it's very scary. Yeah. I just want to say about Ella Yes, in the documentary that I keep mentioning. Please, because I couldn't find much about her (laughs) online or on the blog. I wish I could remember what it was called. It came out in like November of last year. Um, It was called The Family I Used to Have. Thank you. I knew Mm -hmm. it was something about family was in the word. And I remember seeing the preview and I thought, who is this kid? I don't even know what's happening. And I skipped over it for months. And wow. then I watched <laughs> it maybe like in February. And I was blown away. I had no idea it was in Texas. And evidently, Ella's favorite color was purple. And she painted the whole house purple. Oh. Inside, outside, bedroom, everything. And Honey. it was a, the cutest little house. Oh. And so not Ella didn't paint it. Charity, Charity did it for it Ella. In memory of her. Oh, in memory of her? Oh yes. God. Oh God. Yeah. And so everything was purple. And I just that really sticks out in my mind because I remember Googling the house, the address. Oh. And thinking, is this real? Is this actually a thing? And it's if you Google the address, it pops up. We'll, we'll post a picture on social yeah. media. We'll try to post, if we have crimes was, that correlate with these, we'll post the photos like normal. Most definitely. She was a uh, uh, pretty little princess. Absolutely yeah, she adorable. Was beautiful. Just because you have a younger sibling that might make you feel inferior or steal the spotlight or steal your thunder, don't go and kill them. No. Okay? No. And this is- If you're a, sick and if you're having thoughts like that, Tell somebody yeah. and make and I them mean, help you. I feel like I've mentioned this before that the victims of this kind of stuff, it sucks because they take the heat to then put the spotlight on the offender and right. make us learn about them and help us understand this stuff. So I guess I kind of just want to say thank you, Ella, for kind of inadvertently sacrificing your life so we can maybe learn more about this kind of disease. Mm-hmm. We were going to go from this horrible story, you know, rest in peace, Ella, just... Don't forget about Ella. She's the true victim in this. Charity as well, but Ella lost her life way too early. I was going to go play a little game called Sociopath or Psychopath. Fun! Or, you know. So only a couple of them work. The last one um, was the only true true something I could find, like true, true. So, But for the first two, we'll see what you think. So John Wayne Gacy, Mm -hmm. sociopath or psychopath? I mentioned him earlier, but... With our last discussion, what do you think he falls under? Remember, he has 33 victims. I say psychopath because of premeditation. Yep. Psychopath because he's a successful businessman. Uh. He's organized and he is 100% unremorseful. The fact that he has a family and a wife and children means nothing because they are all playing into the organization of his imaginary life to commit the, I don't know, atrocities that he felt like he needed to commit. Right, so that's what I said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ted Bundy, sociopath or psychopath? I think sociopath. Mm, why? Because of the trauma with his mother. Yes. But he was also just a prick who just took out his anger on innocent women. So yes. that shows lack of remorse and just constant feeling the need to validate his trauma and his personal problem, which is leaning more towards the grandiose sense of self of psychopathy. Yeah. Yeah. He's one that is interchangeably 
referred okay. to as sociopath hey, and psychopath. I'm two for two. Yes. Cool. But in oh. official, no, 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 <laughs> in official um, psychology, like .edu yeah. type websites, mm-hmm. he is listed as a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Ted Bundy killed 30 plus women. This quote was really amazing. Genetics provided the ammo, but life loaded the gun. His life experiences, the woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And then the traumatic experience with his sister being his mother Mother and his grandfather being his father, like whatever. That definitely loaded the gun for him. But he was, it's theorized, already born with a psychopathic gene. Yeah, because he didn't even blame it on his mom. He blamed it on porn. Exactly. You know? So That's not even admitting to the source. He's one of those people, if he hadn't had a certain amount of traumas that triggered the gun, he probably would have ended up as a high-powered politician or CEO. And also, he had a methodology. So Mm -hmm. even though at times he did go into berserker mode and mass murder and somehow not get caught, um, he was overall organized and planned because he did have certain methods to the torture that he used to inflict on his victims. The luring, I mean. Yes. The luring was so methodical that Mm -hmm. he would do it for hours in a day Mm -hmm. until he got a victim. Same thing over and over again. So that does not show sociopathic fly off the handle. Mm -hmm. That shows more psychopathic. So really what we look at is the method of the murder, which is why Paris's is so weird because he's mm-hmm. so young. Yeah. So we don't have so we don't much life experience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another one, you probably don't know about this guy, so we'll just talk about him a little. Thomas Hemming of Melbourne, Australia. Mm-hmm. He has two victims. He is known as the thrill killer. He is quoted as saying he wanted to know what it felt like to kill. He is a sociopath. Okay. Because he lived a normal life up until then. The crime was disorganized and instantaneous. He snapped. He decided, I want to find out what it feels like to kill those two people. He did not know them. They were random. And it was something that, I mean, it wasn't planned. And he got caught pretty quickly after. Um, so he was one of the ones that I could 100% find every article saying that he is a sociopath. Officially, our umbrella illness is antisocial personality disorder. That is what will be seen on most psychiatric documents, especially in the case of these violent criminals once they've been apprehended. That is the umbrella illness. There's you a big can difference. subset it. There is a huge difference. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then I thought this is kind of getting a little scary. So I wanted to go ahead and talk about the percentages. Okay. Um, very briefly. Only 4% of the U.S. population is seen as either a sociopath or a psychopath. That's kind of a lot. 1% of general U.S. population, yeah, fall into the violent okay. category. Okay. So that's even better. Um, but what's to stand between them becoming violent? That's where we go into right next. That's perfect. Actually, no, great segue. The trauma makes them violent. So it is 100% across the board, the trauma that does it to them. For a sociopath, that trait was always kind of lurking in the background. And if that trauma had never happened, like childhood sexual abuse, for instance, they would not have had those symptoms bubble up. A psychopath, Mm -hmm. which exhibits the same symptoms, they would have had those symptoms bubble up, but in different ways. So you have a psychopath. Psychopath A is born. Psychopath B is born. They have the same level of psychopathy, actual psychopathy in their makeup. Mm -hmm. 
Psychopath A was molested as a child. Psychopath B wasn't, played soccer, did well. Psychopath A had that trauma as a child. Psychopath A is now in prison for the murder of three people. Mm -hmm. Psychopath B is now the president of the United States. (sighs) Exactly. So there's a difference in the trauma, and that's what spurns on the violence. So it's a it's a almost a multifaceted illness, um, and one facet of it might just happen to be murder. So, like I said, CEOs share traits with psychopaths. Environment and experience make them violent, but they are overall born with the disorder. The brain is a very intricate thing, so that's why these are, as much as they're not generalized, they are generalized yeah. still because you you might fall under these categories, but then you don't. So it's very interesting. So both sociopathy and psychopathy are considered to be developmental disorders. Mm-hmm. Like we've said, it's something that's waiting in the wings and something kind of triggered it. So with that, we will move into sociopathy and psychopathy's umbrella illness, antisocial personality disorder. Ding. Ding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm ready. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to do antisocial personality disorder. Um, so I knew this series was going to be hard, but I also knew how much we wanted to look into these topics and learn about them. So please stick around. It will be more interesting. Yes. I'll, I will have cut out the stuff that we rambled on, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so I immediately began struggling with finding, you know, specific murder cases pertaining to the illness I chose to cover. Cassie didn't have that problem. No. <laughs> I was not in a good place. Um, so next week I'll be covering narcissistic personality disorder. Not to give away too many hints. Is that okay? That I no, said that? okay. That's fine. Narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. They're very similar, which I was initially kind of frustrated by when I started reading about them. I didn't know how I was gonna make um this interesting, you know, without feeling I was repeating myself and I hope this doesn't, you know, overlap too much. I don't think it will. Well, this um, is the first one, so you can, yeah, you know, get true. through you all of this and then cancel out. Some yeah, stuff. you can modify, change it up. I asked myself, why are you working against this issue of them being so similar? Why don't you use it to your advantage? So, in turn, I was able to find two incredibly similar murders with one offender having APD, antisocial personality disorder, and the other having NPD, narcissistic personality Ooh, disorder. Oh, wow. Um, both in Texas. So nice, lucky. One is relatively well known, and the other is not. Okay. I'll go ahead and uh, begin by giving a description of APD, and then we will move into the case I chose to compare it to. So, antisocial personality disorder is characterized by a pattern of disregard for and violation of the rights of others. The diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder is not given to individuals under the age of 18, but is given only if there is a history of some symptoms of conduct disorder before age 15. So people with this illness may seem charming on the surface, much like psychopathy Mm -hmm. and narcissistic personality disorder, but they are likely to be irritable and aggressive as well as irresponsible. They may have numerous somatic complaints, meaning like body wise okay i don't think they're like hypochondriacs but they're just kind of like like physical ailments kind of okay um and often uh attempt suicide due to their manipulative tendencies it is difficult to tell whether they are lying or telling the truth antisocial personality disorder is much more common in males than in females uh the highest prevalence of apd is found among males who abuse alcohol or drugs 
or who are in prisons or related to other criminal situations. So all these things that I'm listing out will actually come into play, like, and I'll list them specifically throughout this person's situation. Okay. Um, so people with this condition may harm others, engage in criminal behavior, or consider uh, the needs of others only when doing so benefits them. Hmm. Everyone ignores other people's feelings sometimes, and most people can be man- manipulative, selfish, or uncaring from time to time. But for people with antisocial personality disorder, this disregard for others is a hallmark of their condition rather than an occasional oversight. Okay. So, but not to the point of a sociopath being so disconnected from society or kind of similar. Maybe not society, but leaning more towards narcissistic because they more put themselves forward. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Unlike so a sociopath, I'm not who really, really put themselves caring forward. to empathize with you because it doesn't benefit me to do so. Right. Okay. Yeah. So APD is part of a group of personality disorders called cluster B disorders. These disorders, yep, are characterized by unusual emotional behavior that tends to disrupt relationships and lead to unstable patterns of relating to others. People with APD struggle to follow or understand social rules and how to interact with others. Um, they see to fail or see to fail. Wow. They fail to see other people being worthy of consideration kindness or rights they may not feel empathy or guilt so it's not definitive but it is uh, a common thread okay so there are no clinical tests for apd instead the diagnosis is based on a person's symptoms similar to kind of with wow sociopathy yes (laughs) yeah it's like you have to look at the the overall effect or yeah the cause and the effect mm -hmm. like yeah wow this is all from the dsm-5 which is like the the book on the book on the book of psychologists and psychiatrists. So I'm not just like bullshitting you guys. This is like a real, this is like a, this is full of all the mental illnesses and uh, disorders in the world. So basically with that one, they understand they're breaking the law. They respect that it's a law and they still knowingly. They don't shirk care. that law. Right. Okay. It, they're above it. Okay. We'll get into more of the. So they're not elitist. insane in the way that they are just doing this. Right. Because okay. they don't know what's happening yeah they they just don't they don't care give a shit right cool deceitfulness as indicated by repeated lying use of aliases or conning others for personal profit or pleasure impulsivity or failure to plan ahead so that's kind of interesting um irritability and aggressiveness as indicated by repeated physical fights or assaults and reckless disregard for safety or self or others and they need to have the majority of those things to be mm-hmm. diagnosed as antisocial. Yes, there's a couple more, but oh, a consistent irresponsibility. Uh, so they don't uh, have consistent work uh, or f- honor financial obligations. And then finally, lack of remorse. Uh, APD is one of the most difficult personality disorders to treat. People with this condition rarely seek treatment on their own. Mm. The term antisocial may be confusing to the public or the lay public, if you will. Um, as the more common definition outside of clinical usage is an individual who is a loner or socially isolated. Right. However, to be antisocial is to be against society, against rules, norms, laws, and acceptable behavior. Some studies suggest that the average intelligence of antisocials is higher than the norm. Mm, that makes sense. So like I said before, it is widely stated that antisocials are without empathy. However, this can be disputed as sadistic antisocials will use empathy to experience their victim's suffering and will derive a fuller pre- pleasure from it. Wow. So grody to yeah. the extreme. Yeah. I thought That's that was like a real dark turn in yeah. the illness. Ugh. 
So, like I said, the DSM-5 indicates that risk factors for APD are having a first-degree biological relative with APD and being a male. So I have a bunch of these things highlighted in bold on my computer because I will reference these things later. Okay. And so just take note, I guess, if you want. So the first thing that they mention is that if you get diagnosed with APD, you probably got it from a male relative, okay? The consensus is that there is very little in the way of effective treatment for APD. Uh, you'll like this. There are also cases of individuals with APD converting to religion and finding strong conviction within themselves to reform and successfully integrate with society. I was wondering about that because if mm-hmm. they're born without a conscience, I was wondering because the conscience is what makes people religious because they feel bad. So it's like... Emotion, yeah. Wow, that makes little sense to me <laughs> but okay uh the role of religion and spirituality as a possible treatment for apd is not well studied and future research is definitely needed well, so really. <laughs> incarceration may not be an effective deterrent to anti to the antisocial individual as those with apd have difficulty learning from mistakes are rigid in decision making and are typically unresponsive to punishment a primary reason that individuals with APD are not, or, or excuse me, are often non-responsive to punishment and deterrence is an inner belief system that views constraints and consequences are a rudimentary function of society, um, a part of a group that they just don't belong to. So they just, they think that they are, they ab- exist above society. They are better than everyone. They don't need to be confined to society's rules, regulations, limitations, whatever you want to call it. Um, and when, wait, what? I was on a roll. I was doing good. (laughs) I can't see. Okay. As a result for many with APD, incarceration may only serve to reinforce their primary, you know, belief system in themselves and have little effect towards future deterrence. So they just, it doesn't resonate. So the only real like solvent for it is incarceration, but incarceration really, might actually it make it worse. Yeah, exactly. Make it, it worse. May just, yeah. Wow. Further it, yeah. This um, one's a doozy. So the DSM-5, as well as other sources, note that individuals with APD may cease behavioral expression of their antisocial belief system, their, you know, highfalutin, you know, whatever about themselves in their 40s. So keep that one in mind, okay? Other sources argue that antisocials become too emotionally battered from a long-term resisting of society and accumulate physical injuries from a lifestyle of neglect, of medical and dental care, untended injuries, and drug and alcohol abuse. Because they're basically just kind of like that anarchist is like, fuck this, I'm just going to be homeless and I'm going to do whatever I want and I don't care and like fuck the system and blah, blah, blah. And they get beat down by the system that they're trying to By the time they're old enough, they're just kind of like... This is what, pointless. Yeah, right. Your body can only handle so much. And even if it doesn't, I don't know. This eventually, uh, this eventual emotional depletion may result in the antisocial reducing destructive behavior or criminal activity simply due to being no longer physically or emotionally capable. But even with their physical capabilities depleted, the individual will still retain an antisocial belief system in their day-to-day dealings with others and may hide their behavior better through uh, practiced effects. Um, There's a specific form of cognitive behavioral therapy that has documented marginal success at modifying the behavior of violent offenders, both antisocial and otherwise. Um, unfortunately, however, this seems to be the only therapy and treatment option for those who suffer from this disorder, which doesn't seem to be very promising. 
So, okay. like we said, incarceration or this uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which cognitive behavioral therapy is used for everything. It yeah. Could because it works. But if you're not willing to understand what your disorder is and, like, accept help, then, yeah. you know, whatever. So, we will start in on the case reference. I'll immediately tell you the offender is Tommy Lynn Sells. If you Google Texas serial killers, his name pops up. Yeah. Yeah. I've come across his name before. He looks like a guy who dressed up as Charles Manson for Halloween. Like, he just kind of looks like a knockoff Charles Manson. Huh. Okay. Um... So to begin, I will say, like I told you before, that he was actually never formally diagnosed with APD, but the majority of his medical records make accusations that he suffered from this disease, okay? Okay. So I'm going to give you a background on him, kind of like you did with Paris Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, and we'll kind of flow into his offenses. But I really want to, unfortunately, focus on him because that's what we're here for. We're talking about the illness. And try and figure out what happened. He was originally from Oakland, California, born in 1964. So first red flag I'll mention is that he was uh, also born a fraternal twin with his sister, Tammy Jean. Okay. So twins are just, you know, in general, just kind of different. Yeah. They're throwing the odds of them being, you know, opposite sexes. It's pretty interesting. It's so weird. Um, I knew a girl. <laughs> I was, never mind. I'm not going to tell you where I knew her because it doesn't matter. She was, a, a, she had a twin brother and they were born on February 29th. And I thought that was super weird. I was like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, to get things off to a great start, Tommy and Tammy, they contracted meningitis. And she died from the disease. Whoa. Only being 18 months old. Vaccinate your fucking kids. It was 1964. The, the vaccinate your kids. It's the vaccination yeah, okay. was a thing. That's true. Yeah. So when I looked all this stuff up, it said that penicillin came out in 44 to help with controlling this. And then they came out with like a better uh, vaccination in a few years. So, I mean, they clearly had penicillin. So we'll get into it. If you're an anti-vaxxer, unsubscribe right now. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) So already we have a brain and nervous system disease inundating his development. We have survivor's guilt, you know, assuming that he was informed later in life that he had a twin sister who passed away. Yeah. They have a a, a primal connection. Right. Like I said, twins are kind of weird. Then to top it all off, he immediately after this was shipped off to live in frisbee missouri that sounds terrible in all accounts f-r-i-s-b-e-e literally spelled like frisbee with his aunt for about five years so he lived there till he was around five at least he was with family at some point he is reunited with his mother a few years later after this stint with his aunt so before i tell you guys this i immediately you know wondered like Cassie's reaction was vaccinate your kids. So I wondered why he was taken from his family in California in the first place to be with his family in Missouri. I was leaning towards the fact of maybe his mother or his parents weren't exactly capable of properly functioning. And it was potentially like a court ordered separation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is kind of how I read how infants or children under the age of five mainly contract meningitis. And it could explain some things. Uh Uh-oh. And this is just all my theory. Okay. Okay. So, but. I might not be wrong. So (laughs) babies can contract this disease from a strand of bacteria that's actually in the mother's vagina and can cause them to be born with the disease. Um, It's nothing crazy. It's it's just a normal thing and it just kind of happens. That sounds not medically correct, but based on what I read, it it can happen. Um, Or another strand of the bacteria. It's kind of like the flu. There's different there's different strands. All right. 
So another strand of the bacteria can be spread through, spread, spread through saliva and respiratory secretions during coughing, sneezing, kissing, chewing on toys, and even through sharing a source of fresh water. It is exclusively passed from human to human. So there's no way you can get it from a dog or a plant or whatever. Like it has to be person to person. So 5 to 20, and this was an article in like 2013. So I don't know in 1970, whatever, if it was the same. But regardless, 5 to 25% of people may be carriers of the bacteria in their nose or throat without getting sick. While wow. still being contagious to others. So the carrier. Which is why you vaccinate when they're infants, correct? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, the carrier state may last for days or months before spontaneously disappearing. So this is, this carrier thing is how most people get the disease. Right. Just kind of like HPV. Like men or carry it, women contract it, or vice versa. You know what right. I mean? You, yeah. You get it from a person that may not even show symptoms of it. It doesn't right. even have to be anything crazy. Yeah. It's just, you know, diseases. We it can't happens. see them vaccinate your kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so again, I say all this because I question the conditions the children were living in and who they were coming in contact with. Honestly, it could be innocent as giving your baby a, a kiss or whatever, but I'll. But the fact that I'll he was. Decide. He was. Taken away to an aunt. And, you know, maybe it was because, you know, for his own health safety or his mother wasn't able to care for him because of the loss of Tammy. Maybe there was an outbreak of meningitis in the area at the time. Who knows? Because of lack of access to vaccination. Cassie wants you to vaccinate your kids I want if you, you haven't vaccinate. gotten the point yet. Please vaccinate. We vaccinate our dogs. Vaccinate your baby. So second red flag. When Tommy was eight years old, his mother whom, like I said, he was living with again, allegedly started consenting to have a man come over and rape Tommy. There it is. And my first thought, and it was unfair, but when, you know, you said the thing about a mother contracting, I thought maybe she's a sex worker. This kind of leads me to believe that she was a pedophilic sex ring or drugs. I don't know if the the vaginal strand is uh, a normal bacteria that lives in the, you know, birth canal. Mm -hmm. You know, Unfortunately, vaginas do have bacteria. We all, you know, it's just that's how it regulates. So I'm not really certain. I didn't go in that bar. But either way, she's shit and terrible. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I said, you know, convince yourself of what you think. Fuck. Uh, He would be known as Willis Clark. He doesn't really come back into play. I just wanted to mention his name because fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, I wrote in here that I believe that it was actually in one of Robert Ressler's books where I read that um, close to, I think it was 90 for 95% 95% of killers had or still have a strained or unnatural relationship with their mother. And I think I've mentioned that before in another episode. Yep. Um, so whether it's from neglect uh, of verbal, emotional, physical, or sexual abuse or control, etc., cetera, um, this usually travels down to their treatment of women, obviously. Yes. I.E. Ta-ta. Ed Gein. Edmund Kemper. Yes. Ted Bundy. Yep. To name some of the heavy hitters. Uh, they all had very different issues with their moms, but each acted on upon their experiences occurring in their childhood and developmental years very differently. But the mm-hmm. source of their aggression was still the same. Mom. Right. Even Paris. Right. Mom. And I don't know what she did to him, but who knows? We'll he was know. angry. Right. For some reason. Um, so do, do, do. remember I said to keep uh, some signs and symptoms in mind when I discuss this case. And one of them I emphasized was a possible genetic inheritance from a male. So from what I read, the father was MIA. So we can't truly determine that origin, but it could be an option. So at this point, Tommy Sells 
enters into his teen years and winds up homeless and addicted to drugs and alcohol. Again, classic behavior of APD that I mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. Beginning in the early 1980s, he starts to act on his feelings. According to the police, he would close, uh, kill close to 20 people, give or take, depending on the validity of his statements, in almost 20 years. In the future, he would claim he had killed close to 70. The age and sex of his victims would vary over the years, never sticking to a certain certain victimology. Uh, each alleged murder had a different uh, age, like I said, race, region of country, method, reason, and dumping ground. Um, That's unusual. It is. Uh, I personally believe that this is due to his illness. Yes. So it doesn't matter who or where or how because it's plain and simple. He doesn't care. Yeah. So in his mind, they don't matter and he can't be caught. And he shows up unprepared. He will leave evidence behind and he cannot care less. So I think this is why this disorder is closely related to narcissistic personality disorder yeah. because of the fact that he just thinks what can happen to me. Right. So in the beginning, I'm really going to only talk about one crime, but I just want to kind of give like a quick brief overview. Okay. I promise I'll be fast. In the beginning, his crimes were mainly theft related and a DUI was thrown in there as well. Uh, however, his first murder, he would claim, was when he was 16 and broke into a home and proceeded to catch a man performing oral sex on a young boy and allegedly killed the man because of it. Uh, so it just gets worse from there. So let's flash forward. Is it fast forward or flash forward? I think it's flash fast. Fast. A flashback flash and flash. a fast forward. <gasps> okay. Mm. Thank you. I learned something. Fast Welcome. forward. Or is it fast forward because it's on the remote? Yes. Same thing? Yep. Same. Okay. Yeah. We live in a technology world. Right. FF. <laughs> to New Year's Eve 1999 slash New Year's Day 2000. Okay. So what was it? Y2K? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Everyone was freaking the fuck yeah. out. We had about 40 Pantry, different gallons or like big old tubs of yeah. water. Yeah. All right, Tommy Sells would end his killings after two decades and be arrested, charged, and tried for the murder of one young girl in uh, Guajilla Bay. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's about 14 miles north of Del Rio, uh, Texas. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Or you're welcome. Yes. No, thank you, and you're welcome. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, This is the main murder I will focus on. Uh, There were a few accounts of this night with differing details, so don't quote me on this or on all of this but this is the one that was most accurate okay in reference to the other articles i read so picture it 1999 terry and crystal harris lived with their son and two daughters in a trailer home in del rio on the rio grande west of san antonio i like that both of ours were kind of san antonio ish i know yeah uh they attended grace community church where they made the acquaintance of tommy sells and at the time a used car he, he was a used car salesman and his wife, surprisingly, he had a wife, uh, Jessica Levery. Not surprising. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Fucking psychos always have light wives. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, he just seemed kind of gross, but okay. Mm. Just like based on appearances. Oh, <laughs> fucking Gacy had a wife and oh, so did the God. shoe fetish killer. Like nasty. all these gross men. All right. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Jerry I didn't mean to I'm say sorry. all right. Everything's fine. Uh, Tommy visited the Harris home several times asking Terry for counseling about his marital difficulties. Big shock. They had marital problems. Mm. Terry also bought a used truck from Tommy because he was a used car salesman. So now a new character in the story is Pam Searles. I believe that's how you say her name. S-U-R-L-E-S. I don't think it's Searles. Sorrels. I think it's just Searles. Sur- Searles? Yeah. Searles? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
She had been friends with the Harrises in Kansas before they moved to Del Rio in 95. Pam decided to move to Del Rio also, and she brought her two daughters and her boyfriend, Doug Lucker? Luker? I think it's Luker. 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 All right, cool. How do you know that? L-U-K-E-R? Yeah. Luker. All right, cool. Mitch Luker, he was from a band. All right. He uh, died. Yeah, they all do. Uh, so literally like not even a full month, I guess on the dot a month, uh, on December 30th, 1999, around 6 PM, she and her boyfriend, Doug, Pam, <clears throat> Pam and Doug then set out on a return trip to Kansas to collect the rest of their belongings. So they had literally only been there like a month. Okay. Terry Harris went with them, leaving his wife at home with their three children and Pam's two daughters. I'll explain the family dynamics in just a second in case they got confusing. As they were leaving town, they stopped to fill Terry's truck up with gas. There they happened to run into Tommy Sells. Tommy was later seen at a local bar. The bartender testified at uh, his trial that he repeatedly harassed her to have sex with him until a male customer in the bar (laughs) shooed him away at the 2 a.m. closing time. What the hell? Which I think she's cool as shit for like testifying against this guy that she didn't even know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's someone that you would 100% remember like, oh, I can identify that guy. He was fucking creepy yeah, he was hitting on me the whole time yep aggressively uh so sometime after that tommy went into the harris's home and entered it entered it through an open window don't do that don't leave a window open no okay? ever ever never never ever he found himself in the bedroom of justin harris who was 14 at the time who was also blind oh my god don't worry he's fine but i th- really yes but i think if he hadn't been blind, if the situation would have been different. Right. So just wait. Oh, baby. Thinking the noise he heard was his sister's oh. being mischievous, Justin called out, quote, will y'all stop coming into my room? Tommy then moved out of Justin's room and looked into the next bedroom. Oh, God. Using the flame of his cigarette lighter for a light, he saw, and I'm not sure how you pronounce this. I don't know if it's Mark or Marquet or Mar. It's M-A-R-Q-U-E. It's a little girl. She's seven. I'm not really, I'm not certain how you pronounce it. Marquet? I don't know. Um, She was seven years old. She's sleeping. He then moves to the master bedroom. Tommy flicked his lighter again and saw mother Crystal Harris asleep with her 12-year-old daughter, Lori. He then went into a fourth bedroom where he saw Kayleen Harris, 13 years old, sleeping in the bottom bunk. And he did not notice above her was Crystal Searles, 10, sleeping in the top bunk. So to clarify... There's Five a Chris- kids. Crystal Harris with a C and Crystal Searles with a K. Crystal with a K and her sister Marquet, I guess, uh, again, are there while her, their mother Pam and their, her mother's, their mother's boyfriend, Doug, head back up to Kansas to get their shit. So they're spending the night mm-hmm. with Kayleen, with family. Justin, and Lori. They're the children of Crystal with a C. And Terry Harris. And it's just happenstance that sells goes to their house after encountering the but they trio. know they they know him they he, okay. they bought a used car from him okay they okay. got marital I'm, counseling counseling all that, that stuff so terry is with doug and pam driving to kansas crystal with a c is at home with one two three five children yeah right and she's got one in her bed yeah. so again tommy's in the room with kayleen and crystal he lays down to ne- next to kayleen and nudged her she awoke looked at him and sleepily said what are you doing here so she knew him, too. The, the yeah. kids knew him. Correct. Okay. He then put his... I mean, they were they were relatively, you know, they were acquaintances, but they were close enough. 
Okay. So, like a like a uh, a friendly uncle that comes over and right. hangs out with the yeah. family. That like, I'm your uncle Tommy. Right. Yeah. Creepy yeah. ass Uncle Tommy. He then put his hand over her mouth and brandished a 12 inch boning knife that he had brought with him. He sliced off. Kate, uh, they call her Katie, short for Kayleen, I guess. Uh, her shorts, panties, and bra, and began to fondle her. Mm. She wiggled free, stood up, and screamed to Crystal, "Go get Mama!" Tommy then turned on the light and moved to block the door. Kayleen saw herself bleeding and said, you cut me. He then moved behind her, put his hand over her mouth and sliced her throat twice. Kayleen dropped to the floor and gurgled. Tommy then proceeded to stab her 16 times. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. Tommy then shifts his focus onto Crystal. Oh, shit. She's still in the room? (laughs) Yeah. Honey. Quote. Now, by saying quote, this means she survives. Quote, I'll be quiet. I promise I won't say anything, Crystal said as he moved toward her. He reached over and sliced her throat. She fell to the ground. He turned off the light, wiped his fingerprints off a doorknob, and took two window screens he thought might contain his fingerprints. He then walked out through the fucking front door and drove home. He stopped along the way to discard the knife and the screens. So again, sign symptom. They fail to see other people as being worthy of consideration, kindness, or rights. They may not feel empathy or guilt. He walked out the fucking front door without hesitation or care. He didn't even care about his supposed friend, Terry, or the lives of his own children. Yeah. Or Terry's children is what I mean. So, obvious He took an opportunity he selfishly wanted and acted upon it. He knew that Terry was going out of town and thought, huh, okay, no men in the house, it's fine. He saw Doug, Pam... And Terry at the gas station. And he knew that that house was going to be unoccupied by anyone that could defend themselves. So assuming that everyone in the house had been killed, Crystal ran outside. She is quoted saying, I just laid there and pretended I was dead. If he knew I was alive, he would come back and kill me for sure. Holding her hand to her throat, she went to a neighbor's house a quarter mile away. The neighbor, Herb Betts, uh, saw her covered in blood, dialed 911. Uh, while she was waiting, Crystal, unable to speak, wrote three sentences. Quote, the Harrises are hurt. Tell them to hurry. And will I live? Herb kissed her on the forehead and assured her repeatedly that she would be all right. Quote, I didn't believe it, Herb said in a later interview. I really thought she'd die on my kitchen floor. Isn't that terrible? Yes. This little baby. She's in her. She wrote a statement and did not once name her murderer. She was like. Am Mom. I going to die? My family's hurt. Like, I mean, that's such a, a child. Such, she, she's a little girl. I mean, yeah. Oh, God. Poor. I'm I know. Fucking so glad she lived. Absolutely. How, how old was her sister that died? Uh, it was her friend and it her was friend. Kayleen and mm-hmm. she was 13. Oh, God. so not much better. I'm we get into it more, but I, I'm kind of surprised he just went after those two girls. But. I'm not because he picked the girl uh, closer to sexual maturity. He could have killed the, the blind boy. Yeah, but he didn't. He wanted a female. Yeah, I guess so. He didn't want to kill. He wanted to yeah. sexually arouse. That's true. Ugh. Medical responders took Crystal to a hospital in Del Rio. She was then flown by helicopter to a hospital in San Antonio for surgery to repair her severed windpipe. Ugh. When I read that, I was just like so creeped out. I don't know why. Because That's it's deep. just yeah, it's yeah, scary. At the Harris home, Kayleen was dead. No one else was harmed and nothing was missing from the home except for the two window screens. That's horrifying. From her hospital bed, Crystal used a pen and paper to write a description of Kayleen's killer. This reminds me of um, 
Jennifer Shewitt, the girl that I, uh, she was killed or not killed. She survived, obviously. Um, kind of near like Galveston League City, where she also had her throat slit and was raped and like dumped in a field. She was like nine and she had to write out and like describe all that stuff. I don't remember that. It's intense. Fuck. Yeah. Um, so from her hospital bed, like I said, she, you know, gave a description. A police, a sketch artist made a sketch from the description. And then meanwhile, Terry Harris, Pam Searles, and Doug, Doug Luker heard about the crime while on the road to Kansas. Mm. So Doug told Texas Ranger John Allen that the sketch in Crystal's description reminded him of the man he had met at the gas station the evening they left for Kansas. He thought the man's name was Tom or Tommy, and he worked as a salesman at a used car lot. John Allen obtained the full name of the salesman from the car lot owner and then obtained his photo from a crime database. Crystal then identified, this is cool too, Crystal, she identified Tommy Sells as her attacker from a lineup of six photos. Damn. So she's a brave little kid. Yeah. Little kid. Right. Upon being arrested, he immediately confessed to the murder. In a videotape statement of his confession, he indicated that he was glad to have been caught so that he would not hurt any uh, hurt others and briefly alluded to another young girl that he may have murdered in Kentucky. So, again, another common sign of APD is that individuals with APD may cease behavior uh, of their antisocial belief system. They may like tone it down in their 40s. He was 35. So he was getting close to it. So this kind of pertains to that statement about, you know, possibly getting rid of their lifestyle in their 40s because they can't really physically do it anymore. Um, You know, all the drugs and alcohol kind of catch up with them. And I don't want to say guilt necessarily because I don't really think that comes into play. But you know what I mean? So that same day, Tommy voluntarily accompanies the police to the Harris residence There, he led them through a videotaped narrative uh, reenactment of his crime, describing in detail how he murdered Kayleen Harris and attempted to murder Crystal Searles. Multiple forms of evidence corroborated Tommy's confession and Crystal's testimony, including the location of the murder weapon, the medical examiner's testimony regarding Kayleen's injuries, forensic tests confirming the presence of Tommy's blood and clothing fibers on Kayleen and vice versa. So her shit was on him. I don't want to say her shit. Her DNA was on him. Okay. Uh, He was subsequently indicted for the murder of Kayleen Harris and the attempted murder of Crystal Searles. Good. So I think that's wonderful. And so far, police work sounds pretty good in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, At his ensuing jury trial, he pled guilty to the attempted murder charge and presented no evidence regarding his guilt of Kayleen's murder. So... He basically said, yeah, I tried to kill Crystal, but I didn't do anything to Kayleen. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I wrote, perhaps this was a move suggested by his attorney. Right. But if not, it again points back to him being entitled, not wanting to admit flaws or remorse. Yes. So why, (laughs) why would you plead guilty to attempting to slit the throat of a girl when another girl is dead in the room with that girl with a slit throat. Of the symmetry. Like, it yeah. doesn't make sense. Like, no. it immediately reminded me of the Angela Simoto case of how mm. Donald Best was like, yeah, I raped her, but I didn't murder her. Right. Like, someone else came in and, and murdered her after. Right. And it's like, that's not it how these sense. things work. You're no. not that fucking lucky. Nobody came in and slit Kayleen's throat after no. you slit Crystal's throat. You're, You're just too selfish stupid. to own up to anything. And like I said, maybe it was a legal thing, but probably not. Probably not. As most of us know, under Texas law, the uh, we're going to go into the legalities and trial of everything. So uh, under Texas law, the rules of evidence prevent certain prior criminal acts from being presented to a jury during the guilt or innocent phase of the trial. Right. 
Okay. So, however, once a defendant is found guilty, jurors are presented with information about the defendant's prior criminal conduct during the sentencing phase. Yes. This is when it gets good. During the punishment phase of his capital murder trial, the state's case focused on Tommy's incapacity for rehabilitation and his continually his continuing proclivity for violence. So that's a shocker. That never happens. It's usually the the defense saying, oh, he won't do it again, y'all. He's fine. So like I said, he would be um, convicted for uh, Kayleen's murder, and he would also be convicted for the attempted capital murder of Crystal Searles. And the state also presented uh, evidence establishing that he had previously been convicted of automobile theft in Wyoming in 1980, whatever, and malicious wounding, never heard of that, in West Virginia in 83. That, how is that not attempted murder or just, just assaults? Like, like, why do you have to be right. so specific? Malicious but wounding, whatever. Like, you stab her somebody, arm, right? Know. So those were just two of the multiple unbelievable crimes he committed in his life that were made privy to the jury. Like, I read through some of this stuff, and it's abs- like it's disgusting. And I won't go through it because it'll take me like twelve hours. Like all sadistic and Terrible. deliberate, absolutely just un, like just not it, unprovoked. Like it was just. Out of the blue, kind of crazy. Um, in one of Tommy's videotape confessions to Kayleen's murder, he also alluded to an earlier murder. Oh, I already said that. Sorry. Uh, about the girl in Kentucky. And right. then the state uh, also presented evidence as, uh, that established that when he was in jail awaiting trial, he became angry at a fellow inmate, threatening to maim and kill him, and that jail officials had to relocate the inmate to a different part of the facility away from Tommy. So basically... All this backs up the prosecution's efforts to emphasize that he, you know, couldn't be rehabilitated. Right. And that he would eventually commit a violent, violent act of some kind. Now onto the stuff that we're here for, all right? So psychologist Dr. Frederick Gary Mears presented expert testimony for the state that based on his review of Tommy's records and the details of Kayleen Harris's murder and concluded the following eight factors. Number one. Tommy Sells was, quote, off the scale in terms of the likelihood of future violence. Not okay. good. Number yeah. two, Kayleen's autopsy revealed a number of post-mortem wounds consistent with intentional body desecration and mutilation. Which is just odd to me because that interprets in my mind of that he knew she was dead. Maybe not really affirmatively. Did he take her pulse? Did he, you know, do CPR, heart compressions? No. She Did she turn blue? Highly doubtful he stayed that long. But I could see as a defense attorney turning it around and saying, well, how does Crystal know when Kayleen died? Did he, did she watch him stand there and, you know, let her bleed out for multiple minutes, multiple hours? Did he just immediately go into stabbing her because it was supposedly post-mortem desecration and mutilation? We don't know. But then it goes into just everyone's testimony and what they truly believe happened that day. Do I think it's plausible that he did stay in the home and watch Kayleen bleed out before stabbing her 16 times? I do. I think it's a a definite possibility. Crystal was very young when she gave this testimony. She was very much under duress. Not that it goes against her testimony by stating that these wounds were done post-mortem. It really more so goes against him more than anything. But it, it it's interesting because it's those little things of, you know, well, I thought that he did it right after. Well, no, he actually did it 20 minutes after. He sat in the room while you hid on the top bunk and pretended you weren't there and watched Kayleen bleed out. Those are things that the defense can use in their, you know, 
defense against their actual claim of what happened. Granted, I don't think that he's innocent, but it's an interesting psyche of he stood over her and maybe watched her die and didn't care. And it just, you know, goes in defense of affirming his guilt and affirming his disease more than anything. Number three, the nature of many of Kayleen's uh, non-fatal wounds suggested cells derived pleasure from the brutality of the murder. Number four, Tommy Sells qualified as highly manipulative and most likely suffered from antisocial personality disorder. There it is. Number five, consistent with Tommy's antisocial personality, he displayed a cavalier attitude during his videotape confessions and narrative re, uh, re-enactment of the capital crime that was indicative of lack of emotion and absolute indifference to death. So, i.e., he feels too important and elite to care about his sentencing or, you know, has given up and is better at hiding his APD, just like I referenced before. Mm-hmm. Um, number six, he displayed no remorse for the murder of Kayleen and attempted murder of Crystal. Classic. Seven, that his past behavior is the best predictor for his future conduct. And eight, Tommy's criminal history demonstrated an escalation huh, in violence look over at time. That. Right. Huh. This all results in a verdict in less than two hours, and the jury found Tommy Lynn Sells guilty of murder and attempted murder on September 18th, 2000. And at the age of 49, he was executed by lethal injection on April 3rd, 2014 in Huntsville, Texas. Mm. Before his death, he described it on 2020 (laughs) uh, that once he chose a victim's home, he generally broke a window to get inside, then either picked up a kitchen knife or other weapon from inside the house, or just killed with his bare hands. Quote, your hands is just as oh God. Your hands is just a lethal weapon as anything else. He said. Cool. Like that's. I don't even know. Okay. He's he's very scary. <laughs> I mean, illiterate as fuck, but like scary. Yeah. Because it doesn't sound like he's bluffing. No, and I'll go into this. This next quote is my fave. So, uh, he confessed to the murders to bring his victims' loved ones quote a peace of mind on what did happen. So not like, I'm truly sorry for what I did to your daughters and what horror I put the family through. He just basically said, at least you know what I really did to your daughters. It's like, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Right. Yeah. So like, fuck off. So I'll begin to wrap this up. I I want to remind you that he does claim that he committed as many as 70 murders. So compiling a list of all the states. Which is, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, Is is that, do we think that's a Henry Lee Lucas style brandishing? Okay. Okay. And they know it's a lot, but they don't think it's that much. Okay. And like I was just saying, compiling a list, you know, from each state and city and like names is too convoluted i guess for the right you know police to actually get through so so um, but a monster like him had been predating predatory predating predatory predatory hunting hunting sure um there are literally like so many horrific and brutal killings uh he is connected to it's pretty crazy um but he was actually indicted but not tried for the killing of another young 13 year old girl named stephanie Mahaney, I guess uh, that's how you say it, back in Missouri. Mm. I'm really unsure of why it never went to court, even though obviously there was enough evidence, you know, to indict him with. But um, whatever. He was already on death row, so he was not charged with the most of his other alleged murders that he confessed to. 
Um, he is only his only other killing that he was actually you know tried for is the April eighteenth, nineteen ninety nine killing of Mary Bay Perez. This is eight months before the murder of Kayleen at uh, a fiesta at the fiesta music event in downtown San Antonio. She was nine. Oh, Jesus. She disappeared while attending the music festival with her family. Her body, which had been raped, was found in a creek 10 days later. He pleaded guilty to that murder in 2003 and received a life sentence on top of his death sentence for Kayleen and Crystal. I personally believe that the derivative of APD in regards to Tommy Lynn cells is up for debate. There's no formal diagnosis, despite the clear-cut signs and symptoms. Yes, absolutely. We don't know enough about his familial history to claim it was genetic. And although his childhood was probably beyond shit, yes, we don't know if that's the truth. I believe um, that I saw there was books and movies, I think, uh, on him. So go find out for yourself if mm. you guys want to gather your own opinion on him in accordance to his supposed disease. But this is what he's allegedly been diagnosed with having. I do put some stock into his poor upbringing, um, you know, his trauma about his twin sister, Tammy's death, his relationship with his mother, and in all honesty, possibly even his aunt. Because mm. why was he taken back? Yeah. You just don't know. Nope. As much as you there don't know why he was bad. taken away from his mother. So yep. um, his behavior and offenses point in the same direction as numerous other offenders who were abused and men uh, and then began to abuse others as a learned behavior and construct. Yeah, that makes sense. So his desire to dominate and control another child, inflict pain and project his own shame and anger onto an innocent person is clearly the actions of someone who is mentally ill regardless yes. of what their supposed diagnosis is. Absolutely. That is you, that is you're sick. Yeah. Not not sick and like disgusting, but like I mean, yes, for Both. him specifically, for but sure. yeah, that is sickness. Um I think he needed help and as I stated before, many people who suffer from APD never seek out treatment and he was just another statistic to tack on to the people who have fallen victim to this disorder, if you will. I don't want to call him a victim by any means, but imagine how many people's lives could be spared just because of the random occurrence of a genetic makeup. And an environmental upbringing. Yep. Not just the lives of the ones who were affected or raped or killed, but the life of the offender themselves. Yeah. So. It's scary to think that we can have this disorder in the DSM-5 because it means that there are that many people out there to separate from sociopathy, psychopathy, Mm -hmm. narcissistic personality disorder, etc. Yeah. To their own category. That's a scary thought to me. It is. Because you can look at like my percentages of people that are affected by violent sociopathy and it's like 1%. Cool. Mm-hmm. But what percent of are more leaning towards this bigger umbrella? What percent of are leaned? So it's like it's so. That we know of because the brain they're is this so age intricate. or they're that age. Yeah. And they can't diagnose this with people that are under a certain age. So it's like, right, well, because then what they've the fuck? not finished developing yet. And yeah, it's crazy. Do you have? I have a couple of questions. Yeah, go if for you it. Don't Sorry, have... I was just thinking. This no, was no, no, no. Depressing series already. <laughs> so, so if someone truly has antisocial personality disorder, are they, for lack of a better word, fucked? Will they always end up being criminal and act out in violence? According to what I read, yeah. Okay, so if I you mean, you can get therapy, like I said, that cognitive behavioral therapy, but I mean. You can get cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy for 
depression. Yes. I mean, yes. Anything. I wrote that down it's for a couple of It's all a mindset stuff. Yeah. thing. So you shift your brain to think a certain way about yourself. You change your opinion about your, like it just, yeah. it's all therapy based. There's no treatment necessarily. So we're looking at antisocial personality disorder as the big brother. Mm-hmm. And then sociopathy and psychopathy are, as we said, branches, they're umbrellas, mm-hmm. but they're the lesser brother. So that's I why someone who is the biggest brother. But. Right. But someone who can be affected by those will mm-hmm. not always be violent. But true. it seems like if you fall under the entire umbrella yeah, of antisocial, you will likely be violent. One of the big questions about serial killers is can they stop? The, so like a J.J. D'Angelo, mm-hmm. is he an antisocial personality? At least in some form. Because we don't think of you know, people that have this um, almost primitive need to murder because of their mental illness, whether it was environmental or hereditary, they don't typically stop. You know, they get stopped because they got into berserker mode. Yeah. But I don't we think do that... see serial... There are serial killers out there that have never been caught, and I think it's very likely, just like J.J. D'Angelo, that they just stopped what they were doing. Yeah, I don't think that he suffered from APD. I think that... Because of the fact that if he did, he wouldn't care about society. He wouldn't pay attention to the news. He wouldn't mm-hmm. care That's what true. people were catching on or not. And he would just keep on his merry way and not think that anything could happen. So he clearly cared and had a regard for society. Right. Okay. And what was happening around him and what was going to happen to him. And yeah. so he stopped based on either his physical capability mm-hmm. or what was happening in the real world or whatever. So we see that, and then we see an antisocial personality disorder that is likely that once they hit a certain age, they'll stop. And then I wrote, can they choose to stop the behavior? So we know when they get to a certain age, they kind of develop out of these more extreme yeah. social or, or personality sure. aspects. The trauma, trauma distances themselves. They distance, them, distance themselves from the trauma, if you will. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to say? Like, yes. Bonnie broke up with me 30 years ago, so my need to go kill people isn't as intense. Yes. As and it like was what you said after. with antisocial personality, like at the age 40, they can stop believing these extremes mm-hmm. about society and everything. And do you think that they can stop that? Uh, before they're 40 in their 20s or something do you think that there's something like or do you think that it's such an animalistic if they have if they are textbooked this disorder it's not it's a juggernaut and it's not something that can be um subdued i think it's subjective because okay. i mean just because i don't think his trauma had anything to do with his disease okay i think if he was truly diagnosed with APD I don't think it had had, it never nothing is ever mentioned with trauma it's mainly mentioned of genetics right so just because his twin sister died just because he was molested and raped doesn't mean it had any effect on anything so I think that yeah he could stop he could before 40 because I think he chose to do this kind of thing so So like the methods to which he carried out his crimes were maybe a product of, like, he was going to do it no matter what mm-hmm. because he didn't choose to stop. But, like, since he was molested, since his younger sister died, maybe that's why he chose particular victims. But since he didn't choose to stop way before that happened, yeah. it was going to go no matter what. It's yeah, just because, the, I mean, okay. just because he grew up in a potentially allegedly shit home doesn't mean anything. You, he, you could still suffer from APD and grow up rich as fuck. 
Right. You know, and go on to kill for years. And yeah. I think that because of the fact that he suffered from substance abuse and he was, you know, supposedly yeah. homeless, even though he was married and had a job, but I think he was homeless for some parts of his life in different states. I mean, it was 20 years worth of killing. I think that it definitely had an effect on him. So, I mean, I think that if you live a cush life through those 20 years, then maybe you won't stop. But if right. you have a hard time, you might. Yeah. Maybe it's all circumstantial. That's scary. You can have substance abuse and still have money in your pocket. Yeah. You know, or suffer from that, whatever. Yep. This was a lot. Oh, my God. It, and, it's, and it's scary because <laughs> it's, it's just like, ugh. It's not, the, it's not that they're everywhere. It's just the fact that the people that have this certain level of sickness, this, this perfect concoction of it, mm-hmm. are very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And when that concoction actually happens, they're deadly. And that, that's the scary part. No, it's, they just get whew. promoted or get elected. Mm-hmm. Go literally, whew. please go read the John Ronson book of the psychopathy test. It's, or the psychopath test, whichever one you want to call it. It's so good. It explains it all. We done? Yes. Sorry. I was, no, no. Yeah, no. Fine. No, I've got everything. I need to. We went through all my questions. Okay, that cool. was good. I liked it. Cool. That was all, you guys. So that will wrap up episode 30. The first episode of the series. We'll be covering four more disorders uh, in the next few episodes. So as usual, all of our sources and where to reach us through email and social media will be put in the show notes, as well as where to donate to the podcast via PayPal. If you guys came to our event, thank you for going. Yes. And if you, we've been, I'm not, I'm just going to fucking say it. We've been lingering at 40 reviews for the longest time and we love you guys so much. If you haven't reviewed us and you enjoy our content, fucking review us and vaccinate your and children we will love you so much harder and vaccinate your children you cretins no just kidding we love you but yeah just um you know like review us and like give your kids shots and stuff next week we'll be talking about narcissistic personality disorder and what was yours borderline personality yes. disorder i borderline can never remember it yeah i'm gonna cut that out and they're also one in the same so it's so creepy it's very oh creepy okay. we have to go um is that all we have to say don't we say everything together yeah no, no we'll be yeah, back yeah. next week and yeah. then uh if anyone's, if anyone's listening, listening that was terrible <sighs>